you're listening to the Primary Medicine Podcast with Kevin and Dimitri, bringing you the best in primary care CME that you can use in your everyday practice. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Primary Medicine Podcast. I believe this is podcast number 69. And today I'll be talking about uh, acute phase reactants, specifically two of them. So CRP, which is C-reactive protein, and ESR, which is the erythrocyte sedimentation rate. There's a lot more than those two, but these are the ones that are the most known and most used in primary care. Let's go through definitions first. What is the CRP? This is a protein that is produced by the liver in response to inflammation. Okay, so it's a direct measurement of inflammation, which means you have some kind of inflammatory stimulus. The liver will produce CRP, and it will peak within 48 hours of the stimulus appearing in your body. And usually, within a day or two of the stimulus disappearing from the body, the liver will stop producing the protein, so your levels will go down. The ESR, which is the erythrocyte sedimentation rate, is an, however, is an indirect measurement of inflammation. Because what you're doing with the ESR is you're measuring the viscosity of blood, which changes with production of fibrinogen. But fibrinogen production can take some time, which is to say that the ESR can take time to go up after an inflammatory stimulus, and unfortunately can take forever to go down after a stimulus has, uh, has ceased. So the false positive rate is high because you may test DSR, it's elevated, but you're not sure whether it's elevated because there's actually an inflammation happening or it's elevated because it's still taking time, the blood is still taking time to get its normal viscosity under control and uh, lower the fibrinogen levels. And there's also a, an elevated false negative rate because if you do the ESR, let's say that the infection just occurred today and you the ESR on the same day that the infection occurred or the inflammatory stimulus occurred. Well, the ESR will not be, not be elevated. So that's a false negative. Okay. So higher rates of false negative and false positive for ESR compared to CRP because it's an indirect measurement of inflammation. In fact, it's a, it, we, we call it a lagging indicator of inflammation. So I alluded to this, and the name itself alludes to this, but, but the most common causes of CRP and ESR inflammation in primary care, number one is infection, number two is rheumatological diseases and inflammatory bowel diseases, and number three is malignancy, which is important to remember. Malignancy can cause elevations of acute phase reactants. I'll talk about this a bit later. I think it's important. If you're some other doctor, let's say you're not a primary medicine practitioner and you're in fact dealing with rheumatological disorders, the order might be different. Number one will be rheumatological diseases, number two will be infections, and number three is malignancy. So it depends what type of medical doctor hat you're wearing, but it's always those three. So if you have somebody with elevated acute phase reactants, think about those three, um, those three big categories of differential. And don't forget that both CRP and ESR are not specific and have their own rates of false positive and false negative, ESR being worse than CRP. 
Having said that, when should you order CRP? Again, three reasons to order CRP. If you look at guidelines, this is based on guidelines that came out from British Columbia about a year and a half ago. Number one, you, sh- you can use CRP to help with the diagnosis of inflammatory conditions or infectious diseases where the presentation isn't clear. We call them occult infections, such as osteomyelitis or infection of the of a prosthesis or prosthetic device or a joint, prosthetic joint. They can be tricky to diagnose just based on symptoms. And the imaging required to, to diagnose those is can be hard to to acquire. Bone scans aren't really easy to order. So in that case, a CRP can help you help push you towards that diagnosis. Somebody comes in, for example, they have an um, they're diabetic, they have an ulcer, there is some pain, they have low grade fever, maybe ordering a CRP uh, that that shows elevation, increases your suspicion of osteomyelitis, and increases your and you know pushes you to maybe order that bone scan. It helps with this, making that decision. So number one helps with diagnosis of inflammatory and infectious conditions. Number two, CRP is used as uh, to monitor treat therapeutic effect of medications and antibiotics in terms of treating inflammatory conditions or infectious conditions. So again, going back to the example of a osteomyelitis in a diabetic, doing routine CRP measurements will tell you when to stop the antibiotics. Once the CRP starts going down, normalizing, that might be time to stop the antibiotics, whether you're doing with IV antibiotics initially and oral afterwards. Similarly, if you are a gastroenterologist following Crohn's disease or osteocolitis, you can use CRP to determine whether the therapies you're using are actually helping the disease, whether you should increase the dose, decrease the dose, or stabilize it. So quite useful in that case. And number three, CRP can be used in primary prevention of cardiovascular disease. So it helps uh, to risk stratify people who are at intermediate risk for cardiovascular disease. So let's say somebody comes in, you do a Framingham score, that's what you use, and it's about 12 to 14%. And the person is not quite sure they want to start a statin, you yourself aren't quite sure. Well, doing an HSCRP, HSCRP is specifically a high-specificity CRP. You have to order it as an HSCRP. It is not CRP. It's just the ass- assay, which is different from an HSCRP to, to a CRP a measurement. Um, and if an HSCRP is elevated, usually more than two, then uh, you can consider that they're at higher risk. It's, it's in a way, we think that it's measuring the low-grade inflammation of, of blood vessels that contain plaque. So that's another reason to use it. So again, to summarize, a CRP should be used to help you diagnose uh, certain infectious conditions and inflammatory conditions where the presentation is unclear. It can be used in monitoring diseases, inflammatory diseases and infectious diseases, the monitoring in terms of whether the therapy is working. And in certain cases, you can consider adding an HS, HSCRP to help further risk stratify cardiovascular disease probabilities 
and people who are in the intermediate range. What about ESR? So ESR should be ordered rarely. It is not nearly a good test to CRP. I mean, CRP itself has its issues, but ESR as a lagging indirect measurement of inflammation is not that useful. It is useful for two specific conditions where the CRP may not actually be elevated. Interestingly enough, these conditions don't necessarily elevate your CRP, even though they're inflammatory in nature. Number one is temporary arthritis, and number two is polymyalgia rheumatica. So if somebody comes in with, you know, with a headache, temporal area, uh, with issues with vision, you can order an ESR, and if it's elevated, you can assume temporary arthritis. Or if somebody comes in with generalized, I mean generalized, with, with pain, I shouldn't say generalized, but with extensive pain that seems muscular and joint-like, doing an ESR can help diagnose polyamyalgia rheumatica. But that's it. Don't order ESR every time you're dealing with somebody with an infection inflammation. It is not a useful test. Uh, some people use it for lupus as well because lupus may not present with elevated CRP. But specifically ESR, think temporary arthritis, think polymyalgia rheumatica, uh, and think don't, and think about never using it again <laughs> unless you're dealing with those conditions, being that you're a primary care physician. Generally, you should not order either CRP or ESR if the person is asymptomatic, uh, because then you're stuck with follow-up and stuck with trying to figure out why they're elevated. So the, it's not a routine test, not at all. Neither of these are routine tests. In fact, let's say you do order. Let's say that you're unwise like I was a couple of months ago and I decided to order ESR and it was elevated. What do you do? Well, if the patient is symptomatic, then you need to yourself need to follow up on it and make sure that it's going down. And the issue here is that uh, it may take a couple of weeks to a couple of months for it to go down. And then if they end up having another infection, for example, they get the sniffles, then it might go back up. So you're, you're, it's, it's hard. But generally, the approach would be uh, to repeat the test in about four to six to maybe eight weeks and see if it's normalizing. In terms of HSCRP, because again, we're talking about asymptomatic patients, if you, if you decide to order it, and again, most guidelines will not talk about using HSCRP, make sure you write HSCRP on the requisition. And if it's over two milligrams per liter, and typically below 10 milligrams per liter, then these people uh, who are intermediate risk for CVD are more likely to have CVD and they are more likely to, you you should be more likely more more open to prescribing a statin for them and just to end off here with with uh you know a third thing which is not as well known is malignancy so malignancy can present with elevation in h in the crp and esr in fact while i was doing research for this podcast, I came upon an article in a rheumatological journal where they, it was a case study, they talked about this lady who had rheumatoid arthritis, uh, she had been followed with both CRP and ESR levels to see if she was responding to therapy, and they noted that without her symptoms increasing, her CRP and ESR had increased greatly and weren't going down. I think the uh, numbers were, yeah, 140, I, I wrote it down here, 
for the ESR and 317 for the CRP. And what they were saying in this article is whenever you have this, those acute phase reactants over 100, especially if they're over 200, consider a malignancy in your differential. And in this lady, they end up doing imaging and she had metastatic ovarian cancer. So if in your practice, for whatever reason, you end up ordering these tests and they're over 100 and they're not going down, imaging is actually appropriate. You may want to do a CT of the abdomen, a CT of the pelvis, and a CT of the thorax because you might find a nasty surprise um, somewhere in there. So to summarize, uh, acute phase reactants, we have two, CRP and ESR. The CRP is a direct measurement of inflammation. It will peak within 48 hours of the inflammatory stimulus, and it will go down soon after the stimulus is gone. ESR is, is indirect measurement of inflammation. So it may peak a couple of days, two weeks after, usually a couple of days, the stimulus has appeared and may stay peaked for a while. Hence, ESR should be used specifically because of its inherent false positive and false negative rate, specifically in conditions where the CRP does not go up, such as temporary arteritis and uh, polymyalgia rheumatica, and in some cases lupus, whereas CRP should be ordered for three reasons. Reason number one, to help in diagnosing inflammatory conditions or infectious diseases where the symptoms are unclear. Again, the example I like to give, and I give a couple of times, is osteomyelitis in diabetics. Number two, to help determine response to therapy of those diseases. So again, to determine whether this person is responding to antibiotics because the CRP is going down, or this other person is responding to uh, immunomodulating drugs because in terms of their ulcerative colitis because their CRP is going down. And number three is to help with, in some cases, you don't have to use it. In fact, most guidelines will not talk about this, but in some cases you can use HICRP to further stratify people who are at intermediate risk of having heart disease. So hopefully this is a good summary. These tests are useful, but like most tests, they have subtleties and uses. And if anything, consider ordering less of them and if you do order them, at least now you know what you're doing it for. And don't forget, big thing, if they're over 100, especially over 200, think about malignancy uh, and do a scan. Something's happening in there. It's likely going to be hard to find. And as you know, ovarian cancer, is the example I gave, is also impossible to diagnose early. So do imaging in the case of those acute phase reactants being elevated. Hopefully this was helpful, and I wish I'll... Talk again.